Welcome, everybody, to Joy Community Church. I am, uh, I don't know, I just really love being here every single Sunday. Like, it's such a blessing to me to be able to be any part of worshiping God with all of you. Um, Quite honestly, Sunday in general is definitely my favorite day. And, uh, well, it kind of makes sense to me because, well, Sunday and Saturday are the strongest days. And you know how I know that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Because the rest of the days are weekdays. (laughs) I'm sorry, that was a dad joke. I usually don't tell dad jokes. But when I do, he usually laughs. But no, seriously, Sunday morning is absolutely my favorite time of the whole week. It just recharges me, and I'm so thankful um, to be able to be up here this Sunday um, man, and like we had the, the praise about last Sunday, like Easter, was so good. I mean, my goodness, it was such an incredible time. When, when I was up on stage behind my guitar and I was looking out and there was members of our congregation and a few of the other elders going to pull more seats out of the back because we were just chock full, that was, that was such an amazing thing. I mean... And Ross will say to Chris, after he does a really good sermon, he'll say, Chris, that was a humdinger. And I think Ross would agree, last week was a humdinger for sure. It was just the whole thing, beginning to end, I was so, so blessed, and it was so amazing. And man, I was just energized all week because of it. But at the same time as being energized, it gave me a lot of, it was a lot of pressure to know, I've got to follow up such an amazing week. (laughs) Um, and man, it was just through a lot of prayer and like, Lord, I didn't feel good enough. I was like, I am not going to do well because there was just, it was so good. And now, now you're stuck with me the next week. And when Chris asked me originally, he just gave me the date. I think it's the 16th today. He said, Hey, can you do the 16th? I said, sure. And that was like two months ago. I didn't even look at my calendar. I might've had a different answer if I would have known it was right after Easter. No, I just, but, um, so as I was preparing this, I was actually writing it for two Sundays, because he originally asked for this week and next week, but then he cut next week, so now I'm condensed everything in, so if I run a little long, I'm sorry. Um, but before I really get into what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about the, the manner in which you should serve God, right? There's a certain way that you should serve God, um, but before I get into talking about anything that you do... I have to say this because sometimes it does get confused, and that's this. Your salvation is based solely on Jesus Christ and what he has already done, nothing to do with what you do. So although there are commandments in the Bible of what you need to do as a Christian that does not have any effect on whether or not you'll be in heaven as long as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, And how do we know that? Well, when Jesus was being crucified... He wasn't alone on that hill. There was two other men with him. One of them was, was making fun of Jesus. The other one realized what Jesus was and said, you really are the Son of God. Remember me, right? And Jesus said, you will be in paradise with me today. Just like that. No background checks, no, no um, well, you, you got the first part right, but since you're not baptized, you're out. You're not going to make it. That's not the case. 
That man on the cross couldn't do a single thing for the kingdom of heaven. And we know because he was being crucified, he was probably a really bad dude. But he's still in heaven just because of what Jesus has done. So just before I get into anything about what you do, remember that. So are we all solid on that? All right. (laughs) Um, But now let's talk about when you are serving the Lord, how do you do it? Like, What is the manner that you do it? Paul wrote um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he wrote this. And this is, the, I would say, one of the crucial verses. If you are serving God, which you all should be, every Christian should be serving God in some manner, um, how do you do it? Paul wrote this. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, there's a lot in this verse, All right? So let's just unpack it really quick. The first thing that he says after brothers and sisters is stand firm. But we know Paul didn't speak English. He didn't write in English. He didn't write stand firm. What he actually wrote in Greek was hedreos. I'm sure I'm not exactly pronouncing it correctly, but this, the meaning of that word that Paul used in that spot is of those who are fixed in purpose. That's, to me at least, when I read that, it has so much more intensity than just stand firm. If you're fixed in purpose, you, first off, you're not just standing still. You know where you're going. You've got an active uh, agenda with what you're doing. Um, and when I, read that, when I read that line of those who are fixed in purpose, right, or when I hear that, it gives me two images in my head. One of them would be, well, a runner, when you see really good runners, and I used to love to watch uh, running when I was in high school, although it was like nearly a decade ago, I really did like uh, going to track meets. I always went because I was a thrower, and I wasn't very fast, but I really liked watching the, fast, the fastest people. It was incredible to me. And what you notice is when the best runners, and we have some really good runners in here right now, but when you, when you are the best runner, you're not looking behind you all the time. You're not looking to the side. You're focused on where you're going, Right? Also, it, this, of those who are fixed in purpose, it brings this thought, and this is for me personally, because I used, I used to be in um, a junior, NRA junior rifle league, and I would shoot 22 caliber rifles indoors at very small targets at 100 feet. And it was, it was very good for learning discipline and all sorts of stuff, but um, it just re- it makes me remember when I would compete and I would be looking down through, through my sights at the target. I would be so focused on the target that everything else would fade away. No matter what else was happening on the range, I knew what I was doing and I was, I was shooting. And I was very competitive because the people that I competed with the most, the other people um, with me, they were all girls. And I did not want to get beat <laughs> by a girl. So... <laughs> So there is some certain intensity, right, to that, to that, to that phrase of those who are fixed in purpose. Stand firm by itself is also an intense thing. Then he goes on and he says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Again, that's intense. If you're giving yourself fully, also, we know Jesus does not like lukewarm, right? Because in Revelation 3.16, and that's Revelation, singular, no S. Sometimes people say revelations, and it always bugs me. Revelation 3.16, is, it says this, But since you are like lukewarm water, 
neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. That is, uh, it's kind of of, um, intense. You're either all the way in or you're all the way out. It's worse to be in the middle. I mean, he also, like, Jesus made a point to call out when someone gave everything they had. Like in Mark 12, 41 and through 44, um, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, but then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. This was such a big thing that Jesus said, whoa, 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 everybody, come here, look at this. This is how you do it. And it's important when you read, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. It's not saying give what someone else could. It's saying whatever you have, if it's a lot or if it's a little, give yourselves fully. Also, we know that if you give yourself fully, God can work with it. No matter if you have a little bit or you have a lot, God can work with it. Because, uh, well, Jesus was preaching to a whole bunch of people, right, one day. And these people started to get a little hangry. And the disciples said, hey, we need to feed these people. But we don't have any food. And they found one boy who had a few, a few loaves and some fish. And Jesus said, yeah, that's enough. Even though it wasn't a lot, even though that boy gave up everything he had and it wasn't enough to feed everybody, God made it work. Jesus said, it's going to be plenty. It was so much that everybody got really full and they also cleaned up lots of leftovers. I also, when I think about that particular story, I always think, you know, that little boy's mom packed his lunch not knowing that Jesus was going to do a miracle with it. I have always thought that's kind of cool. And then the last part of this verse Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So how can we be so intense when we're working for God? And how can we feel recharged when we start to get tired? We can feel that comfort and and get that recharge from the fact that what we're doing is not in vain. I mean, how many things do we do right now in our day-to-day lives that are, well, kind of pointless? We work at things, we do things, and they don't really matter long-term, and I'm talking eternity long-term, right? Um, quite a bit. I mean, we can invest tons of time and money into, into um, a career or into relationships or into all sorts of things, skills. I mean, I've already told you, when I was five years old, or five or six maybe, I've already told you I really was going to have uh, the biggest zoo in the world in Onaway, Michigan, and it was going to be great. Uh, but also, at that same time, I was going to be a cowboy. Um, not like lives in Montana and ranches cowboy, and not really like riding bulls or, or roping steers cowboy. I was going to be the cowboy that quick draws and shoots the bad guy and saves the town and gets the girl, and it was going to be awesome, and that was going to be me, right? And I got totally duded out. I had the cowboy boots. 
I had spurs with them. I had a hat. I would wear the flannel with my pants or my, my shirt tucked in, and I was just the coolest dude, rootinest, tootinest cowboy that you've ever saw. <laughs> and to top it all off, also, by the way, really quick note, um, if you wear your cowboy boots in the wintertime, they're very slippery. <laughs> also, if you wear spurs to school, there's a really good chance that they will be confiscated by your teacher because they say it's a weapon and your dad will have to come and get them after school. Um, so just know that. But to top off this whole ensemble, I had a replica um, single-action Colt Peacemaker cowboy revolver, right? And my dad made me this um, holster for it, and I was so cool. And I would practice and practice to be super, super fast. And admittedly, I have an even better um, single-action Colt, and I still quick-draw sometimes just for fun. But um, I would watch... I would watch um, old Western, like late 50s and 60s Westerns, and TV shows like Laramie was my favorite, Gunsmoke. And in the opening of Gunsmoke, James Arness, who plays Matt Dillon, he's really, really quick with his, with his uh, quick draw. I would try to outdraw him on TV. I never won. But all of this work, right, I invested so much time, so much effort, and guess how many times I've had to meet on Main Street at high noon and... <laughs> Gun down the bad guy. I mean, and you know he's the bad guy because he has the black hat on. Um, <laughs> I've never done that. All of that work and all of that energy that I put into it, completely pointless. But getting back to the point, uh, when you labor for God, it matters. It matters so much um, right now, but it also matters for eternity. And how we know that when you work for the Lord and you, and you further the kingdom of God, that, that it matters well. First off, the Bible says that Jesus remembers what you do. Also, in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says this, One day we will all stand before him to give an account for what we did or did not do with what he has given to us to use for his glory in this life. So when you hear that, as a Christian, that, should either be, that could either be exciting or kind of scary. And, I mean, Jesus pulled a parable about this, right? It was a master was going on a trip, and he had three servants, and he distributed his wealth amongst the three servants, right? He gave the first servant five bags of silver, he gave the second servant two bags of silver and the last servant one bag of silver. And he goes on his trip. And then when he comes back, he gets a report from each one of these servants of what did you do while I was gone with what I gave you. The first servant, who was given five bags, said, I invested them and I got five more bags in return. And the master was happy and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you used the responsibility that I gave you well, you're going to get more. Then the master goes to the second servant, who had two bags given to him, and said, what have you done while I was away? And he said, I worked really hard with that money, and I made you two more bags. So here's four bags of silver. And the master was happy and said, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you were 
responsible with what I gave you and you used what I gave you, you're going to get more responsibilities. And then the last servant who was given one bag, he, the master came and said, what have you done while I was away? And that servant had to say, well, I was scared that I would lose it, so I hid it. I didn't do anything with it. I buried it in the ground. As you can imagine, the master was not pleased, and that servant did not get a well done. And this is, um, well, this, this, this parable tells us a lot about how we should act with what we're given. Because the first servant got a whole lot. He got five bags of silver, and he used it well. The second had less responsibility, less gifts, less resources, but he used what he had, and he got the same amount in return. And because we know that if you give yourself fully to the work of the Lord and your labor will not be in vain, if the last servant would have used what he had, what he was, was uh, given as resources, he would have come back with more. But he didn't. He chose not to. And this is, um, man, it's so very, very important. When you're in this life, as a Christian, you need to have a ministry of some sort. I'm not saying you need to start your own church. I'm not saying you need to, actually, it should not be confined to the walls of a church. But as a Christian, you should have something that you're doing for the kingdom of God. Because God has a plan for you. He has um, something for you to do. He's given you the, the resources to do it. And some people might say, well, actually, I'm too broken. I'm too this. I'm too that. I can't do that. And, um, well, there's a really good quote I heard. It's actually from the Jesus Revolution uh, movie. And there's a scene in that movie where, where um, Chuck Smith, the main character, the pastor, says, you know, I don't think I'm good enough to do this. Maybe God called the wrong person. And his wife, Kay Smith, said this in the movie. Don't be so arrogant to think that God can't work through your failures. Man, when I heard that, I was like, whoa. Because I think all of us, no matter what we're doing, sometimes we don't feel good enough. Sometimes we don't feel worthy. Sometimes we're like, God messed up. But does God really ever mess up? No. Don't be so arrogant to think that God can't work through your failures, whatever they are. Also, God does have a plan for you. We know that because Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. There's another comforting and empowering verse. When you're working for God, you can remember. Man, I do, God has a plan for me, and it's a good plan. It's a plan for my future, and he's got me. Also, in Romans uh, 8.28, which is a very popular verse, Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. As a Christian, you are called. You have a purpose. God has something for you to do. 
Whatever it is, God has something for you to do. And it's incredibly important that you do because one day you will have to stand before him and say, this is what I did with what you gave me. And man, that is either going to be well done. When, he, when, he, when you tell him, it's either going to be well done, good, good and faithful servant, which is what we want, or it's not. And that fact right there should drive you Man, it should drive you to be to do everything that you can and, and give yourself completely and fully to the work of the Lord because you know it lasts forever. It's one of the only things that will. This message was way, way, way longer. And I cut it down on purpose, but this particular verse, actually multiple verses, I couldn't leave out so just, I'm going to leave you with this, because, yeah, I'm going to leave you with this. 1 Peter 4, verse 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And listen, this is important right here. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Anyone who speaks, they should, excuse me, if, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with all the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord God, Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for everything that you do for us. Thank you for being with us day and night in the hard times and in the good times. And please, Lord, empower this congregation to go out and serve you with whatever they have and whatever you have given them. Oh, God, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.